Thank you. Well, good morning. It's a privilege for me to continue to journey with you towards the Advent. Advent season, it starts very soon in December. And this Sunday, we, uh, we are so glad that we celebrate family, family blessings and the sacrament of baptism. And it's good that for the past maybe a couple of months, we, we walked through what we call the one another, a sermon series on uh, the commands, the imperatives in the Bible to love one another, to pray for one another, and that's what we did this morning. We are building up one another. We are committed to one another to pray for these kids, to raise them up. And we finished that sermon series last Sunday, and this Sunday is a kind of a standalone sermon, and I, um, I said that we should focus on those people that are not here that are not part of the one another, but they are outsiders. They are not those people that we pray to be stronger in Christ, but we pray for them to come to Christ. And there was this story that I want you to just start with. His name was Albert, and uh, he loved Jesus, and he was thinking what he can do for those that are outside. So just follow this story with me. Well, if Albert could do that, he uh, maybe not, you know, all of us will be Billy Grahams and we have the gifts of that, but we can be that Albert. And if you did that with a pickup truck, right, what can you do maybe with a Corvette or with your Suburban? You know, can you imagine how much power you have to influence uh, people coming to Christ? So this morning I want to look at what Jesus does for what we call the parable of the lost sheep. There is there is a parable in the book of uh, Luke. It's chapter 15, kind of in the middle of the gospel. And Jesus tells three parables in chapter 15. And he starts with the lost sheep. And it's one sheep out of a hundred. So it's for the one percent. And he says, what do we do with the one percent? And before we even go to that story, I would like you to just see the setting. There is an interesting setting of the entire chapter why is Jesus talking about the lost? Why is he talking about... Because, you know, after the lost sheep, there is the lost coin, which is one out of ten, so ten percent. And then is the parable of the lost son, or the prodigal son, which is like fifty, like one out of two. So it's just an increase of the value of what is lost, or the percentage. 
And this is how the story is set up. And it's, it goes like this. Now the tax collectors, very interesting, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. It's very unusual, right? The tax collectors and sinners to come to listen to a rabbi, to a teaching. And then look the reaction. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man... This man, they said, welcomes sinners and eats with them. That was their problem. How can he welcome sinners and how can he eat? How can he sit down and eat with them? What's going on? You see, there is a religious greed or a way of looking at things. And for these religious people, for the teachers of the law, the world was divided into, on the one side, they were the sinners, the tax collectors, the pimps and the prostitutes, the criminals. And on the other side, they were the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And of course, Jesus, because he is one of them. He is a rabbi. He is teaching them. And they cannot believe what Jesus is doing. And Jesus, came, like we in our Reformed faith, we always say that we are there to transform the world. And that's what Jesus is doing. He is breaking their religious greed of dividing the people. And basically what Jesus does is he's moving into this other, other category. He moves and he says he welcomes them. And he sits down, he eats with them. What's going on? You see, it's not only then. Today we judge, we label people. You know, we call identity, you know. We make sure that people know where they belong. And if you are a teenager, how do you do that? You, you base you know, on you know, the, the looks, the dress, how people smile, if they are outgoing, if they are fun or cool. You say, oh, that's a cool dude or a cool girl. And then you like to hang out together. They, then they belong. Then you can let them be part of your circle. But if you're an adult, maybe you say, no, you start with, say, like looks. You know, if it's a person that is fit or not fit, it's fat maybe, whatever. Then we would say, well, what social status? You know, what social status do they have? And then you start to talk more about what, maybe you look at the car. What car did they arrive with? Or neighborhood. Where do you live? In what, what's your neighborhood? And maybe you say, what school did you graduate from? It's so important, right? It's so important. But maybe even finally, maybe the most important is like, are they Democrats? Are they Republicans? And today that's almost like number one. We start right there. And we divide, we label people. We say, well, people divide themselves in this. But you see, in that time, they had this religious idea that the people have to fall into one or two categories. And you think, what are the teachers? Who are the teachers of the law? And if you think about just, just that will refresh your memory. There were zealots. These were like one extreme group. On one side, let's say the extreme left, there were like zealots. And they were radicals in politics. They hated the Romans. They were social kind of religion. They, they thought that when, when the Messiah comes, it will be a liberator socially. They will be free. They were fighters for justice, for justice. And many Romans looked at them as terrorists because many times they led rebellions. These were militant people. They would take arms and fight with the Romans, kill them. On the other extreme, they were the Essenes, you know. And they were in communities. They were pacifists. They were ultra-conservatives, but at the same time, they were people who formed communities isolated from societies. They would live in, in isolated communities like the monastic, like the monks today. They never fought. They said, we want to follow God. Leave us alone. 
And uh, then you have the Sadducees, maybe you heard of them. They, they were kind of the educated liberal elites, you know. They were so educated that they became secular. They didn't even believe in the resurrection. They did not uh, believe in that. But then you have the Pharisees, maybe one of the strongest groups right there. And they were also educated, but they were conservative. And they were following a strict, strict uh, reading of the law. And not only that, they were involved in politics but they didn't like the zealots, and they didn't like the Essenes. They said, well, we have kind of a middle position. We kind of get along with the Romans. We try to cut deals with them. And Jesus comes, and, and he talks to the sinners and, and the tax collectors, and he wants to say, there is something that you have to break down this division. And Jesus has another greed that he wants to impose. And he says, there is only one division. And it says there are those who are found and those who are lost. And how you move from one category to another? Through repentance. And look at the found category. He says there is one son that is found, but he was two in the beginning. There is one, nine coins that are found, but there were ten. And there are a hundred sheep, but one is lost. And Jesus says, I want, my mission in life is to move from the lost people from the lost into the found. And my mission is to say, I am here to go and find that 1%, one sheep out of 100. That's my mission, he says. And not only that, I want to find the lost coin. And I want to bring back home my monk to make sure that I welcome the prodigal son. Can you imagine that father who lost one son out of two? That's a 50% loss. Can you imagine how failure he must have felt? How a failure, how, how bad as a father? One child turns good, one bad. And then Jesus says, now to understand what I'm talking, he says, let me tell you a parable. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. Just suppose. And they understood exactly what he means because they were shepherds and sheep at that time. And he loses one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. There are no righteous persons who do not need to repent. In fact, Jesus looked at the Pharisees later on and says, the pimps and the prostitutes get into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you because you guys are blocking the door into the kingdom. Revise your thinking is basically... So three things in this, in this story. We have a sheep, we have the shepherd, and we have a call. We have a sheep, a shepherd. And if you look at a sheep, just think of... Jesus says, you know... He talks into their language. They are used to talk about sheep language because they see sheep all around. The sheep are so popular, right? The shepherds are there too. It's something that they understand. There was one lost sheep, I think, in Australia and many, many other sheep. But they can grow so much their wool that they will die. They can die. They can succumb on their own weight. The sheep are not animals to survive in the wild. If you lose a horse, a horse might survive. That's a wild horse, like, or a dog, but not a sheep. 
In fact, the shepherd says something like this. It's not easy to go after a sheep. A sheep is a stupid animal. It loses its direction continually in a way a cat or a dog never does. Even when you find the lost sheep, the lost sheep rushes to and fro and will not follow you home. Even when you found the sheep, she will still not follow you home. So when you find it, you must seize it, throw it to the ground, tie its forelegs and hind legs together, and put it over your shoulders and carry it home. You know, when we look at the, 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 you know, the, the Good Shepherd, there's a painting, famous painting in the, in the history, because this parable is famous parable. But we look at the Good Shepherd, and it's always, the Good Shepherd is taking that sheep, you know, or maybe it's like just carrying in his arms. And we say, well, is that because he's just so gentle, because he's so loving? And that might be what is in the end, that's true. But the reason is that the sheep is so stupid that it will not sit there, will not follow the shepherd. The shepherd will say, oh, I found you, let's go home. And he got, and the sheep starts walking in a different way. They are not aware of their lack of total disorientation and wisdom. Usually the sheep, they think that they can find their own way. And that's what the lost find. And people like us, those that are outside, they are always thinking the grass is greener. I can find it myself. I don't need a shepherd. There are people that say, that I don't need a shepherd. And you know, maybe you have somebody in your neighborhood, somebody at your work. And especially as Thanksgiving comes, you know, maybe you will gather with them. And it can be a cousin, it can be a daughter or a son or a father. It can be somebody close to you and they think, no, I can go and eat myself. Just last Tuesday, we finished what we call Alpha, and it's for people that are lost, basically, that are far, wandering further and further away. We want to say, come back and let's explore faith together. Well, there was one lady who came and she said, my husband is retired now and he is in the hospital. Would you pray for him? Because all his life... He's never been with me in a community of the faithful. I hope that now he might come back. I hope that he will say, I've done enough. I've been successful enough. I fed myself enough and I'm still lost for God. And right now at the end of my life, what if I can find myself? You see, we always thought that sin and the Pharisees too, they thought, oh, these are sinners. What do they do sinners? Well, they commit sins. They are prostitutes and pimps and stuff like that and tax collectors and uh, they are criminals. But here Jesus says, no, sin is running from God. Running from God. Thinking that you independently can live without Him. Running from God is one of the best ways to lose your way. And the Bible says in this story that the shepherd, the owner, went. So the second thing is he owns. What's special about it? That the, the, owns, the, the lost sheep is his own. It's not somebody that he doesn't know. It's not something I say, well, I have 99. I want to buy another one. I just want to you know, increase my sheep. No, it's my own. And in fact, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, the son of man, as a shepherd, he came to seek. That was my mission from the father. When I agree to come, I, I agree to come and seek and to save the lost. That's what I am here. In, uh, in the 80s, there was a Chinese man who came to faith in, um, 
in San Francisco, and it was a church that wanted to baptize him like we do, and he was an adult. And they asked him, how did you find Jesus? And I wanted to think about how did you find Jesus yourself? And the Chinese man, before he was baptized, had to answer to that question, how did you find Jesus? And this is what he said, and he says, I know find Jesus at all. He find me. And the reality is that for you and for me, we did not find Jesus. He found us. He found us. Today, we baptize these babies because Jesus found them. That's what Pastor Ron said. In baptism, God comes to us and says, I want you to be mine. I want you to be mine. I want you to be among the, the sheep that I have at home. I want you to be mine. And in John 3.16 the verse says, for God so loved the world, so loved the world. God loved you and he loved me that he gave his only begotten son. You see, we apply value to things. And uh, if you look at a company if, or if you have something at home, there is a market value. You know, like just think of Taco Bell or something like that. Or Chick-fil-A, my kids work there. You know, how much is worth? Well, how much is the market giving for that, paying for that? You can easily kind of calculate that and you make, you say, okay, this company is kind of worth so much. And that's basically the assets, the, the philosophy, the, how they do it, the management and the people, the, everything else. But God says he loved the world so much that he gave. His only son. He sacrificed everything for us. And that is when God looks at us, he sees an intrinsic value. You see, the Nazis, they looked at the Jews and they said, what's, what's the market value for the Jews? How about the market value for the crippled? The people that are in wheelchairs, they don't have market values, but we have a place for them in the trash bin of history. The same thing the communists Right? You know, I grew up in Romania. They will look at people and say, what's your productive value? And if you don't have value, then there's nothing that, you know, you have to justify your existence. George Bernard Shaw, he says, every person should ask, should justify their existence. If not, they have to be dumped. And God so loved the world, he says, I see intrinsic value, and that's how much the owner is willing to pay. That is way more than the market value. Usually they are equal sometimes. But a lot of times the intrinsic value is way bigger. My engagement ring is maybe valued as gold, but it's almost nothing if I give it to one of these buy gold companies. But for me, it means a lot. It's over 25 years old, and I, I treasure it. I don't want to lose it. I will not sell it for its value in gold. That's nothing to me. It means so much more than that. And that God says, for, for God so loved the world, that he gave, he sacrificed. Your value is everything. If you were the only person alive, Jesus would have come and died for you alone. And for the lost sheep alone. And it's not that he gave nothing for us. You know, it says, Peter, that he was not with perishable things such as silver or gold. God could have created all the gold and extracted from all the planets that you were redeemed from. It wasn't with perishable things like that. Redeemed from what, you might say? What, why? From the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. An empty way of life. 
Everybody has an empty way of life. That's how we come into the world. If, if your family can give you something, it's an empty way of life. But Christ says, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, that is imperishable. With the imperishable. And that's what the Bible tells us. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He gives his life for us so that we can have life. We can be redeemed through his blood. And what is his call for us? What is he calling you to, to do? What is, that's how he starts the parable. If one of you had 99 sheep and loses one, wouldn't you go? Wouldn't you go and leave the 99 and go for the 1%? If you are the owner, you will look for what's yours. So in the end, the answer, I mean, the question is, Jesus paid with his blood for me so, and for you. What can I do in return? It's not only that, but God sacrificed his own son for you. So what do you do to sacrifice for him? He gave it all. One easy thing is to tell people, like, Albert, in the story in the beginning, come and see. Come and taste and see whether the love of God is for you too. Whether the grace is sweet as I claim. Maybe you can say, you know, this, this coming week we have the Thanksgiving service. Maybe you can call that prodigal and say, would you come? I want you to be part of this society. Would you come? to the? Maybe you say, maybe not Thanksgiving, but how about Christmas? We have Christmas coming. It's another opportunity, easy, just to say, come, welcomes sinners. We welcome sinners here. We welcome sinners. We eat with them. That's what we do. We eat with them on Tuesday nights when we had Alpha. That's what we eat with everybody. And in our homes, I hope we do that. Now, let me just say that you need to be excited about that. And this is one story of a guy who is excited about his faith.
That's what we are called to do, a simple welcoming of the sinners, a simple welcoming of the grace of Christ, eating with them and saying to them, I am so excited for what Jesus did for me. Let us pray together. Father, we give you thanks that you invite us to care for the 1%, the one lost sheep, and we pray for the prodigals, for, pray for those who might be in our offices, in our families. We pray for those who might be on our hearts because they struggle with things. We pray that you will bless us with a heart for them, to love them, to invite them, to welcome them, to eat with them, and to remind them of your love. We give you thanks that Jesus is indeed the one that shows us how to love the lost. And may his love ever grow in our hearts for them. In Christ's name, amen. You would please stand together as we sing a song called Doxology Romans 11. I'll start off by teaching you a chorus, and then you can join in as we sing. So let's sing that chorus together. To God be the glory forever and ever. To God be the glory forever. Amen. To God be the glory forever and ever. To God be the glory forever. Amen. All right, together, hold the depths of the riches. the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable his judgments how untraceable his paths who knows the mind of our God and who can bring counsel to him who has given to God that God should repay for from Him, for from Him, through Him, to Him is everything to God. To God be the glory forever and ever. To God be the glory forever. Amen. All oh, the depth of the riches. 
Behold the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments, how untraceable His paths. Who knows, who knows the mind of our God and who can bring counsel to Him? has given to God that God should repay for from him for from him through him to him is everything to God to God be the glory forever and ever to God be the glory forever amen to God God be the glory forever and ever. To God be the glory forever. Amen. Let's sing together for from Him. For from Him, through Him, to Him is everything. For from Him, from Him, through Him, to everything to God be the glory forever and ever to God be the glory forever amen to God be the glory forever and ever to God be the glory forever amen if do we if you wish to pray with somebody there's a prayer room here to my right and as you go from here may you know that the grace of God the Father, the love of Christ Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will always be with you from now and forevermore. Amen. You may go in peace.